now it is my pleasure to welcome in a host doing great work on a number of different shows over at Sports Grid, a contributor for the Miami Herald and MLB Network, and the host of everyone's favorite baseball podcast, Swings and Mishes. Also the uh, supreme ruler of Marlins Twitter. It's Craig Mish. Craig, uh, thanks for joining me on this platform here, Miami Mic'd Up. You're the host? And I'm yeah, the guest. Weird, right? And I'm the guest. I like this. I like this. Yeah. It's yeah. A, I can it's sit back. It's a fun new and, dynamic. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. But yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And, you know, excuse my uh, sports grid background here. I uh, <laughs> just, got, just got done with one of my shows here. And so I'm happy to be with you here on Miami Mic'd Up. Congratulations, by the way, on all your success. I watch the Thank Heat you. games now. It makes it more interesting. <laughs> I think I'm going to a Heat game soon, by the way. Oh well, let, let me know. Uh, we'll we'll have to see each other there. Thank you for for not only the compliments but also for joining me here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, before we get into baseball, I want to ask you outside of work, outside of baseball, outside of sports grid, outside of all that. Sure. What's something that's recently brought you joy? What's recently brought me joy and sadness? It's the same thing, probably. I would say joy and sadness. So this this year in particular has been a great growth year for my family my daughter is is doing fantastic and acting and singing she goes to university school in davie um she's going to be heading to college soon it's sort of crazy to think about that idea and we're starting to look at colleges and things like that so she's having a wonderful year and my son is 10 years old and he has not lost a little league baseball game in over a year He's won uh, two championships. Yeah, he's won two championships back-to-back. And this year, playing in another season of heading toward a championship, he threw three no-hitters already. He was having an unbelievable uh, season and then uh, fractured his thumb playing kickball, which was the second injury of the season, by the way. The first one was a sprained ankle that, that held him out for two weeks. And this is the thumb. And so our Little League season continues without him, and we play for the semifinal. I don't know when people are going to see this, but we play for the semifinal on Saturday, and then hopefully we win that one and play for the championship. So that has brought me uh, a a ton of joy seeing him grow. You know, he's not, you know, where I'm not Mm -hmm. the biggest person, he's not the biggest person, but he's so smart and, and knows the game, and he's so coachable, and you, and it's just you know you can tell awesome. he may he may not be the biggest the strongest but he you know to me he's the smartest he knows the yeah. game he's a you know a grinder and and yeah so that that for sure has it's been it's been wonderful to watch very sad though to get that x-ray back jeremy and mm. and, and and have the doctor say <laughs> that you know that, that that was one of the tougher things i've been through so happy and yeah. sad at the same time i don't know if that's the no the that's that's the perfect way to go with this we're, we're just looking for emotions and i can certainly relate with the uh overachieving grinder on the ball field so i i could appreciate that, that, that um and yeah it's no fun to get those injury results back so hopefully yeah. he feels better soon hopefully he can get back on the field and do what he loves and i'm glad yeah. to hear your daughter's doing the same this is awesome um and you sir just got to spend some time in california um, you took the trip out to the winter meetings. Um, before we get into actually the specifics of, of what the Marlins have done or, or not done, the moves or lack thereof, um, can you just explain a bit what the winter meetings are like for those who might not really grasp the experience? Yeah, I think that it's in an industry of people that in the past, it hasn't happened in a few years, but get sure. together 
to see each other. It is the writers from all the teams, the executives from all the teams, the managers from all the teams. It's just like one big sort of social gathering and catching up with people that you know that are in your industry. So whether it is right. writers or broadcasters, they're all there. They're all like in the same, you know, 50, 100 feet in a hotel. There's a lobby that everybody just walks back and forth and back and forth. And and then there's people who want to get into the industry who mm -hmm. are tapping you on the shoulder saying, hi, my name or is such and such. And I follow you and I know you and I'd like to know how you, you did this and such. So I, I think that for me is probably even more why I went this year, because yeah. it had been several years since I had done that and several years since they had a winter meetings. And fortunately, Sports Grid took a look at the landscape and said, you know, there, there could be some big signings out there. And why don't you go out there and cover it for us, everything that that you do. And so I went out there for a couple of days to not just cover the Marlins, but cover all of basically what was going on in, in Major League Baseball. So it, it was great to, to catch up with a lot of people. I highly recommend it for people who are trying to get into the industry, because the odds are you're going to rub elbows with somebody that may be able to help you. And what's really interesting about that, too, is that if you want like jeremy if you want a quiet corner to go into to like speak on the phone or write something or just be away you really can't find one because the quiet right. corner is that meeting between somebody that's trying to get into the industry and somebody in the industry so they're they're right. all they have suites there don't, don't make any mistake about that but it's kind of like everywhere there's always something happening and when there's moves it's very exciting and when there's not you're just kind of you know you're you're at the winter <laughs> meetings you're just hanging out so it, right. it was a combination of both because naturally so much was happening as far as overall. But as you mentioned, for, from the Marlins point of view, you know, not a lot really was was going on there. So <laughs> Right. Well, all right. So let's dive into both then. Let, let's do that. Let's start with the Marlins. Um, you tweeted okay. it out. Kim Ang said that the club had interest in both Josh Bell and Cody Bellinger before they signed. Um, you've also reported interest in Justin Turner. Um, what's your sort of main takeaway at this moment from your time out there and with where things stand at this moment as we record at 3.45 p.m. on Thursday, December 8th? Sure. I, I think a lot of people have been very cynical saying that they have had interest in anyone or a lot of people and they have not closed anyone. I right. think some of that is fair, but, but I think that the most interested player that they have been in thus far, Jeremy, is Jose Abreu. I really mm. feel like that was one player that they really felt like was a good fit here. They offered him a two-year contract. Uh, I don't know the exact specifics, but I think it was probably in the neighborhood of close to $40 million over two years. So when that happened, I sort of felt optimistic because even though they didn't get him, I thought that that money could potentially be reallocated to others. And I still you know, have some semblance of that. I don't know that I feel as strongly about that as I did maybe a week or two ago. Sure. Because simply put, nothing has really gotten done. But maybe it was just that they were willing to do that for that player, that they identified for that player. Like, I don't like maybe a good example of that is, is Jeremy, I don't know that the Giants are going to go give $360 million to anyone else. Correct. on a higher level so <laughs> right. maybe that's the comparison maybe the marlins are not willing to give two years and 40 million to anyone else i don't know i don't know that sure. that won't make some people happy but but the the sense i i get is there's still work to do they uh clearly from the trade deadline last year to the winter meetings this time around have not accomplished any of the goals that have been set out that's the bad news the good news is there is still time to do it so hopefully they're able to accomplish that 
But at this point, lots of trade rumors constantly coming through my phone, constantly being asked about trade rumors. And some of them real, some of them so fake, some of them, you know, nonsensical. But I do see them all. I do see them all. And I check them. As far as you mentioned, Justin Turner, I think that is legitimate. I think they legitimately would like Justin Turner to sign with the Marlins and play third base. The, The issue is, like anybody else, Justin Turner is coming from a winning situation for many years. He's a World Series champion. Would Turner leave Los Angeles? He's already left, but would he, uh, you know, pivot from a winning situation in LA to come to Miami for one year or maybe two? I, I don't know. You'd have to ask him at this point. But my guess is they will they will have some sort of official offer to him, and then if he accepts it, he'll play third base and some first base for the Marlins. And if he doesn't, then Miami is sort of right back where they were. That's that's the, really genuinely, Jeremy, in terms of free agency, the only name, the only name at this point that I think personally that I'm willing to put my name out there for. That's the only one thus far. That's literally what my follow up was going to be was, are there any other names worth focusing on? But if Turner is the one, the only other place to pivot in this conversation before moving on to others is knowing now that Brian Reynolds has a trade request seemingly out there to the pirates obviously the pirate statement is that doesn't change anything about how we feel does that change anything about this equation at the moment or was that just sort of is something fun for marlins fans to sort of grasp at in the first couple days of winter meetings yeah i i I mean i can speculate some and i can speak with some fact so i guess we'll speak with the fact the fact is the pirates are really angry they're very angry (laughs) And eventually the anger goes away and then you get realistic maybe and do some things. But the notion that the Pirates were immediately going to trade Brian Reynolds because he requested a trade, it couldn't be further than the opposite. The Pirates basically not interested in talking to anybody about this at at first just because of they didn't like this being out there. It reminds me so much of when JT and I reported when JT uh, Real Muto asked for a trade. Initially, the Marlins were like, we're not trading him. Remember the the uh, company line was uh, yep. JT knows how we feel about him, and oh they held gosh. JT. They held him for another year, and then yep. they ended up trading him to the to the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't know that the Pirates are going to go down that road, but the same thing is happening here. They are they are not happy that this came out. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, there's some people who think that Reynolds was wrong for doing this. I, I I think the offer that they offered him, regardless if it was the most money in Pittsburgh Pirates history, was ridiculous. There was no possible way that he was ever going to come close to accepting that. Brandon Nimmo is going to get 140, 150 million, maybe more. Brian Reynolds is a great player and yeah. going to get close to what Nimmo is, in my opinion, to what Nimmo is going to get paid. I think you needed to kind of start with that or get close to that, even with the time that uh, Reynolds is under service control for a while. But uh, that being said, here's my guess. My guess is is that the the Pirates are going to slow play this and sell more tickets, which they should. And Brian Reynolds is on the team. And we've seen this happen in the past where January comes, February comes, Reynolds is in spring training, kumbaya, everything is good. And then wham, right before the season begins, Brian Reynolds is on a plane somewhere else. Now, the question that you have to ask yourself, because Miami went through this last year, too, yep. is are you yep. willing to take that chance again that that the Pirates will do this right before the season and you can get the player? I mean, they, they played that game last year. They thought eventually the Pirates would come around and do it, and they didn't. So, Jeremy, I, I don't know. But as of right now, when you see – in my opinion – 
when you see reports that, oh, that this team's talking to the Pirates and they're feeling really good about it. And it is, that is not, no one is feeling really good talking to the Pirates about Brian Reynolds. This is not just the Marlins here. There's a lot of other teams that are involved in this. And it, it, it ain't easy right now trying to get this player. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Give it time. Got to give it time on this one. It cracks me up to think about how just like the entire idea of it is making me laugh. Um, and And look, from the Marlins perspective, like you said, I think it is important to keep in mind, like they went through this same sort of song and dance last year on on this player. And so, you know, is waiting around the right move there. But as we look throughout the rest of Major League Baseball, let's stick in the division because the division continues to get tougher. And as money continues to get, you know, spilled out across Major League Baseball, you look at the Mets, they may have lost Jacob deGrom, but they signed Justin Verlander. They sign Jose Quintana. They re-sign Edwin Diaz. You look at the Phillies, Taiwan Walker, and a massive, massive deal for Trey Turner that absolutely, like, shocked me. I don't know. Obviously, I'm sure you were in a different mindset than I was, but that one really surprised me. So, you know, for these two teams here, I guess my question would be if we have to pit the two against each other, which has had the better offseason in your mind? And what does it sort of do for each of their shots in the division at this point with where things stand as of today? Right. So there's there's a couple of factors here. The first thing that I want to mention, I think it, it factors in with everything, is that the notion of the division, it remains the same. You still have to win your division yeah. to get the title. And, and again, we're going to slot them one, two, three, four, five. That's that That's going to happen. But remember, they're not playing against each other as much as they did in the past. There's positives and negatives to that. So when people bring up, oh my gosh, the Marlins division is so difficult that they're going to have to play against all these teams, that is true, but it's not as much. Now, on the flip side, they don't get to play Washington as much either, so maybe that evens out. Regardless of that, I personally think the Phillies are the team that did the best job thus far because I think Trey Turner is a superstar superstar. and I really think him batting at the top of that lineup or close to it with Kyle Schwarber and then when Harper comes back and JT and Hoskins and if they can get Castellanos right that is a lineup that is extremely formidable the other part of this that I would tell you from knowledge is the Phillies are not done they are not done I think more is coming uh and I and I and I, I mean I know for a fact they're trying so if if they end up adding more pieces to that puzzle, they could be the favorite by the time we get to, let's say, March and April at this point. So uh, in the, no indictment on the Mets. They are still trying to very clearly. I think that you know maybe they'll end up with another pitcher. This this kid from from Asia Senga is a name that they're talking about. Maybe signing him. He wants to go to a winning situation. Maybe they end up with him. Maybe Nimmo comes back. We're still kind of fluid in that space. But I personally don't think. From a one-year or two-year perspective, the drop-off from DeGrom to Verlander is all that much. I, mm-hmm. I really, it, it just seems like they did fine. Like they were, like like DeGrom went somewhere else. They got another Cy Young Award winner, and so be it. You know, health notwithstanding, I, I think right. that the, the Mets are in a good spot. And I know Braves fans are a little on edge, teetering, because they didn't do all that much. I think that they're now, I think we're down to only six teams that have yet to sign a major league baseball free agent six teams in all of baseball who have yet to sign to a major league deal the marlins are one of those two by the way but oh. but but in, but involved but but the braves are one of those two ironically 
but the but the Braves, you know, they make some trades. They they have all their guys locked up for like a billion years. So what do they really even need to do <laughs> right. at this point? Every young guy, Jeremy, they have is signed through the end of time. Right. For so, them, it's just tweaks at this point. Like for them, it's just yeah. like eh, little tweaks. Their core is locked up for so long that at this point, you know, who cares? Yeah, um, they're team, they're team. But I, but I don't. But again, the shortstop. For the, for the Braves, shortstop is, is somewhat of an issue. Of you don't course. know how Vaughn Grissom is going to do, and Dansby Swanson is a free agent at the time we're taping this. So th- that's something that will have to get resolved as well in the division. And then, you know, clearly the Nationals are are in a rebuild mode. Nothing hmm. wrong with that. They won a World Series. And and the fans, some some fans you see occasionally are taking some pot shots at them. But realistically speaking, I mean, they just won this World Series a few years ago. Yeah. I, don't, I don't they you win and then you got to start over. It's kind of uh, unless you're Houston, that's kind of part of it. Yeah, it's 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 good news uh, for Miami. That what you mentioned, which is that maybe at least they don't have to play against these teams as consistently as your past. Yeah. Now to to two more contracts that just sort of stood out before we get back to the Marlins real quick sure. and a little bit about you. Um, the two biggest contracts here in this discussion in the last couple of days have been Aaron Judge mm-hmm. and obviously now Xander Bogarts. Um, which of these stood out more to you in your mind as to, okay, this number, this contract, this player, this team? Well, well, Judge, now that it's over, he went back to the Yankees. So we just kind of go like that and move yep. on, you know? Like, I, yep. I don't know what there is to say. Obviously, there was a lot of huge contract a lot of contract stuff a lot of misinformation stuff i mean that was the story of of it my gosh like arson tough tough one boy i mean tough to be tough i mean i i've been there and and but to have that happen to me i don't know that i don't know how i would respond to that but regardless of that so the the reason why i think the padres is more interesting is because they they threw all this money at at judge even they didn't get him and they end up with xander bogarts he's going to be like 60 years old at the end of this contract <laughs> but the, the reason why and and now well there's two two parts of this the first part of this is what do they do with fernando tatis jr jeremy i'm not sure is uh is he going to play center field or are they going to try and trade him i i don't know what the outcome is going to be and i could go with either one i think both could work and of course you have soto and machado so i i think comparing i want to say this comparing the padres to any other team in baseball right now, I think is difficult to do. Some people are comparing the Padres. Well, if the Padres, and they're not a big market, why can't the Marlins spend money? Or if the Padres are so good, why can't the Twins spend money? Jeremy, the Padres right now are in the best position maybe of any sports franchise in the country. They have a wonderful ballpark. They play in the most beautiful city in the United States. And most importantly, they have no competition. They have no NBA team. They have no NFL team. If you want to spend your money on sports in San Diego, it's all going to the Padres. And they know this. So they do have sort of this unlimited checkbook to spend because they're guaranteed this revenue that is coming in. If If you're growing up as a fan of sports and you're young, 8, 10 years old, I mean, you don't have the Miami Heat or the Florida Panthers. You have right. the Padres. That's all you got. So, yes, there are some holdover Chargers fans there, I'm sure. And there's, you know, many years ago, the Clippers in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, going back even before me. But this is they they have the gold mine. They have the yep. golden goose, the only game in, literally, the only game in town. So you really can't compare them, I don't think, to anybody else because they're fighting with no point. one for the money. All the money is coming to them. So look out. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's just I've never seen anything like it. Um, I've never seen anything like it where you have this team that everyone at least perceives as a small market team because that's sort of how they've always operated. But such a great point to say, like, they're the massive team in that market. They're the only team there and they're getting undivided attention. And when you have a fun young team like they have and you have the talent that's there, I can understand why you would decide, hey, let's invest really heavily you know, and and why not and see how it plays out. So it's really fun. Like it's one way or another, it's going to be fun to watch those guys on the other coast because that that's going to be a story worth following. Um, Moving back to the Marlins real quickly here. um, I know you listened um, to Skip Schumacher here on this podcast and you've spoken with Skip. I talked to him about it. Well, there you go. All right. So you've talked to him about this. I wanted to know your sort of general impressions of Skip and or obviously any takeaways from that conversation about his conversation here. Sure. I like Skip a lot. I think that it's it, it sort of feels like to me that that Schumacher was interesting to me that he got a two year contract with the Marlins. Some get longer, some get shorter, but two years definitely seems like the right amount for him to kind of test himself as a manager in Major League Baseball. And for the Marlins, who are kind of going through this strange period to see how he does and performs as a manager as well. I, I think what what really impresses me with Skip is his work ethic. And as a player, he's taken that over to becoming a coach right now. He really understands the game. He really understands the media. I know that he has said that maybe that's going to be a transition, having to talk to the media every day Mm -hmm. about the games and things like that. I think he's going to be great at it. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be fun. And the the one thing that, that I get with him more than anything else is that he really has no sort of media or personal filter. What he says is what he feels. Everything that he told you is how he feels. Everything that he's told me is how he feels. So you, what you see is what you get. That's refreshing from a manager's mm-hmm. perspective. He definitely uh, knows that he has his work cut out for him this year to sort of start building uh, what he would like to define, I guess, as a culture in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, five years ago, we were told that too, but there's apparently still doing that now. Um, so he, he he would like to uh, kind of rebuild maybe some some relationships and things there. I, I don't know. Uh, I know he's met with players already, and I, I think he's going to meet with some more. I saw him and spoke to him in San Diego. I've spoken to him when he first you know, got the job and spoken to him a little bit on the phone. I am I, I think he was absolutely the right choice for this job. And the only question to me that I've asked him that I think that we all w- would ask is that Skip Schumacher always got the most out of his ability on the baseball field. Correct. He, he, not the biggest, not the fastest, not the strong, the hardest working, maybe maybe one of the most intelligent players, but also always got the most out of himself. Can he get the most out of the players on the Marlins? Th- that's the challenge. To me, that is the challenge here because we all know Right. That the 2022 Marlins did not get the most out of themselves. They did no, not. No, certainly not. When they were playing. I know injuries have been a part of this too. We've talked about that as well. I'm not going to yeah. do that here. But <laughs> on on the field, on the, on, when they were playing, outside of a couple performers, they did not get the most out of those guys, especially offensively. Offensively. Right. Pitching maybe is a different story. And you know, that's, <laughs> right. that's a great spot for one guy won the Cy Young for, you know, what's sake. Right. But offensively, can he do that? 
Jeremy, can he do that? Can he say, can he use that as, as, as who he was with the Cardinals and the Dodgers and uh, as a coach of the Padres and, and now get that out of this team? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's his challenge. The million dollar question is, can he get the most out of this roster, right? Because especially if there aren't substantial moves made to that offense, you're going to need to get the most out of the players that are there. And of course, there will be tweaks. We're we're having this conversation in December, not in April um, and not even in February. But it's all going to be about that. The good news is, based off what you said, which is what it comes across as, Skip is authentic. Um, he authentic. seems to just genuinely tell you how he feels about whatever he's thinking. And I do think that there is something about that that hopefully can really get through to players as he tries to maximize what it is that they do. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does as the Marlins manager. Um, and, and look, he's made a great first impression. Obviously, there have yet to be any baseball games yet. So it's, it's certainly um, a space where we can still be there. But Craig, before... I let you go. I want to ask you a few questions about your sort of career here in South Florida because you've been here for a long time. You've done a lot of different things. You've worn a lot of different hats. That's true. And you've been here in Florida throughout your career in South Florida for most of it. So I actually want to go all the way back and ask you, how did you actually decide you wanted to get into sports media? And then what was your first role? So I grew up in North Miami. That's where I went to uh, elementary school. I wasn't born here. I was born in Brooklyn and then came here at a very young age. But I did go to late elementary school and then middle school and then high school in North Miami. And I graduated from North Miami Senior High School in 1991. Now, growing up in a baseball world, which is basically what I was in at that time, big baseball fan, big sports fan, I thought that I was going to play major league baseball, like, you know, like everyone else. And, and so I tried out for, I, I was on the JV team. I think it was. And I, I, I don't remember exactly how it all went down. I was a decent little league player. My son is way better than what I ever was <laughs> like, not even close. I was never a pitcher. I was never hitting bombs. Never that I would get on base and steal bases, make some catch. That's about it. So I uh, made the all-star team once. So, so went, so went as far as high school, went as far as high school and tried out for the varsity team. And essentially the way that I sort of remember it here is that I was, I was maybe going to make the team as like the last guy or probably not, or honestly, probably not. And the coach uh, came to me and I'll never forget this and said, you know, with all the talking that you do, why don't you go up there instead to the no booth way. and and call the guys' names out as they come to the plate and come up with the you know nicknames and the names for the guy wow. and announce them as they come to the plate. And me and a buddy of mine, his name is Mac, still around, still my good friend. We went to the University of Florida together. We 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 did the games. We sorted, we didn't do play by play, but we did the games. So that that wasn't when I knew I was gonna do media, but that was the end of my playing career. I knew at that point, all right, I am not good enough. The curve's coming in. I'm like, oh my yeah, God, yeah, I am yeah. never gonna hit this ball. Like that is <laughs> never gonna happen. Like you could really throw yeah. a ball like this. I'm like, I can't differentiate between this and this. It's not gonna happen. Right. So I went to the University of Florida and Jeremy at that point I was all in on broadcasting. It was it was mm. basically like just get me through the first two years to get into the journalism school. And and I went through it all. I did the 4 a.m. shift. I did the 8 a.m. shift. I was on TV at, at UF. I was on radio, a lot of radio. 
And and then I mean we would be here too long to talk about it, but I've had <laughs> million jobs, man. I've worked at every right. radio station locally here in South Florida, seven ninety five, sixty nine forty. If there was another one, oh, there was yeah. seventeen hundred. The fan. I did that one. People probably don't remember <laughs> that one. I did that one. I've worked at Channel Four. I did a show for what used to be called Fox Sports for Bally Mikasuki Sports Rap. Yep. I did that. It, it, it would we'd sit here for hours and do it. Right. But that, that that I think is probably the biggest lesson that I have for other people, too, is that in order to succeed in this business, you have to go through so many different careers mm-hmm. until you get where you want to be. And then when you get where you want to be, you're still not even like 100 yep. percent fully sure that's where it's going to be. But luckily, after all of this stuff happened and after working in South Florida and working at all the radio stations, you know, I used to come in after Dan was off the air and Stu Gotts and, right. and do those shows too. And then I used to work QAM with Hank Goldberg. I mean, I used to, Hank would go off the air. I'd come on the air. I was always like the fill-in guy. But in the end, after 10 years of almost Sirius XM doing fantasy sports, almost 10 years of doing that, which was what my primary gig was, is that fortunately Sports Grid came to me and said, hey, like we really are starting something good and we'd like you to be a major part of of what we're doing. And so I do two hours every day for them, one at 11 a.m., a fantasy show, and then a 2 p.m. show on news and and sports betting. And sports betting to me has a huge footprint on everything moving forward. So they've really been fantastic to me since I've been with them. And yeah, Jeremy, every job (laughs) in South Florida, if there's a media outlet, I've probably right. been there. I've been paid by them in some way. I've yep. hosted for them in some way. If there's a radio, I've done that too. And and I feel like I feel like I I maybe don't talk about South Florida sports other than the Marlins maybe as much as some others. But trust me, I have been here through it all, through all the Heat stuff, through all the Dolphin stuff, through all the Marlins stuff, through when the Panthers first came in. I've been. I don't go as much anymore, but I've been to all of them, all the championships, all the Super Bowls, the Dolphin Super Bowls in the '80s. And it's 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 just an interesting city to be covering sports in. That's for sure. Absolutely. Let me let me stick there for a second. I'm I'm sort of reversing the order of where I wanted to go here. Do you have in all of those years covering all these different teams, paying attention to all of these different teams? Yes. Do you have a favorite team that stands out? No, but I have a favorite moment. All right, let's hear it. I have a favorite moment. Let's for hear sure. it. Let's hear yeah, it. But- they, these are the stories I want. So I'm so I'm immune to winning the championship, seeing the championships and going to all that stuff. I'm fully immune. When okay. I grew up in my 20s and 30s, I said to my inner self, I am going to go to every single championship there is in this world because there's going to be a time I'm not going to be able to do it. Israel Gutierrez used to make fun of me for showing up at all the big games. He's like, oh, there's Craig. Must be some yep. big event that he's coming to. I wouldn't cover a team for the whole year. Boom, I'm there for the championship, you yeah. know? Like somehow finagling credentials for this stuff. <laughs> I always would show up for the big stuff, the final fours. I, I mean, Jeremy, uh, I, I used to go to – I went to the Green Bay. I, I went with the Dolphins to a preseason game in Green Bay. Like I, I – I really can't look back on my sports career and say that I haven't done it because I have, man. I have been to all of the stuff. I have. But as far as South Florida is concerned, the biggest, best moment of all, it was unbelievable, was the moment they announced the big three. That that was, I'm telling you, ahead of the World Series stuff, man. And I went to the World Series in 97 and 2003. But in but when when LeBron James announced that he was going to the Heat, Mark Hockman at the time was the PD of 790 the ticket. Right. And why me? I have no idea. But he says he calls me and he says, listen, we are going to broadcast live 
from this thing. We don't know what it's going to be. We have no idea, but they're announcing that LeBron James came to the Heat. I remember I'm in my car. I'm like, yeah, so. Yeah, sure. And he's like, can you, we got it. We're going to set up a, a thing there. Can you go, can you call Cliff Floyd and see if <laughs> you guys could, the two of you? I'm like, Cliff? He's like, yeah, can you, you call Cliff? Cliff and go down there? Because Cliff Floyd, for those of you who don't know, really good friend yeah. of mine, uh, executive director of his charity foundation. We've been very tight for many years. So he's like, you and Cliff go down there broadcast live from the big three amazing i'm like okay i guess sure like meanwhile i mean i don't think you i covered no a idea game what you're year. walking into and you don't know what you're walking into this is no nobody idea. knew what this was no idea so we go we go we get upstairs there isn't an open seat me and cliff are like <laughs> what is going on here man like this many people show up this isn't even a game this is just a press <laughs> conference you know and by far, I don't care what anyone says. I, I can't quantify after the LeBron years for sure. I can't because I don't go to nearly as many games. The loudest that place has ever been. Could not hear ourselves. Me, me and Cliff are literally talking. I, I'm not hearing him. He's not hearing me. <laughs> I have no idea what is being said. But that I, I thought the roof was going to blow up when they when those guys came Amazing. out. LeBron, uh, Wade, and Bosh at that time. Uh, that that will be something I will never forget just because it was imp I, I don't we could not broadcast we we were just talking and hoping people were hearing us loudest thing I've ever been to in my life I've been to some really cool sporting events the energy that would exist even in regular season games during that time was so different than anything else I've experienced and watching that on TV was insane so I cannot imagine showing up and broadcasting during that. I have one last question for you before I let you go. Um, you have, like we've talked about here, covered all these teams, worn all these different hats, and been in media now for a number of years. So it's changed a lot yeah. over that span. I'm looking for your favorite and least favorite way in which sports media in particular has changed since you first entered the industry. Okay, uh, so you know, I, I think there's there's positives and and negatives. I think to it all. I guess I could speak more. Okay, so I'll I'll start with the positive. I I think that having the ability to go on your phone and get news immediately is really cool, if you want it. I do think that that is cool, and I know that I have a big social media presence. I'm not on maybe as uh, on there as much as some other people. But I, I think the ability to to get that reporting, like I don't know what we would do without it. I have some ideas, right. by the way. I do have some ideas that I, I, like I that. think we could talk through that next time. I, I think I think could re revolutionize this. Uh, but you know, I got to monetize Let's it some, about some it. way and make yeah. money doing it. But yeah, I don't think it just has to be a Twitter. I think there could be other things right. too, in my opinion, um, if somebody did it the right way. But I, I think that that is is great. The one the one thing that I would say, especially also from a South Florida perspective is that I, I think the one thing that disappoints me so much is South Florida fans and maybe fans in other cities worrying so much about what other people say about our players and our team. Yeah. When did we ever get to that point where we're so hurt about everything that that shows on the middle of the day are on? Yeah. You yeah. know, like who cares what anybody else has to say about your favorite team or how the national perspective is? 
when when I grew up, it was all about what my local radio show hosts were saying and and what, you know, Hank Goldberg would say or Dan Lebitard would say or Jim Mandich would uh-huh. say or Joe Rose. I'd be more concerned with how they felt. And maybe the reason that those are gone is everybody just gravitates to the national guys and they're all showmen. They're yep. all getting paid to push our buttons and we all yep. fall victim to this. Like I've never seen. And we we sort of are all worried about uh, if if the hurricanes you know, game day doesn't come to Miami for a hurricane <laughs> right. day or well because they hate us and like I I just and as somebody that grew up and went to all these things I mean I no care I've never right. cared I, and I just to me that's the one thing that it's like you know wor- wor- worry about your own perception you you're, you're you've got to have more important things to do in your life with your family. Then turn on the TV at 1130 a.m. or 12 o'clock p.m. on a national show when they're talking negatively about Tua or the heat or the or the canes like who cares? You have a great life. Go out and see the sun. Go go have a nice day. This, this stuff should not be bothering you. I think um I think that that because I've been thinking about this a lot because literally like this is a incredibly sensitive fan base to criticism. It is. And I think when did that, it get that way? I think and this is it. I think it goes back to the day you just talked about, Craig, to the day the big three came Maybe. down here and became the center of the national sports universe. Something that Miami really had, despite success, Marlins winning a World Series, the Heat winning a championship with Wade and Shaq. Right, but but don't you been... think that that but don't but the Heat got Shaquille O'Neal, man. Yeah, right. Like, of course, I, trust me. Why I, didn't it happen then? I agree, but I mean, you saw what what this Big Three era became in terms of scrutiny after every game, and I think that people got so wrapped up in that, and then and then. Twitter and everything and everybody's just fed into that monster and so it became like and then of course there's the you know the chip on your shoulder of UM fans that has been there for a little while now in general but it is you're so right that hey next time you're getting angry at your TV take a breath Turn on one of Craig's shows. He'll make you happy. Huh? Or, or don't even turn on my shows. Go go out, go for a walk <laughs> or something like that. Like, and, and I have so much respect for all of those people. Oh yeah, I, I am so jealous it's of an a Stephen skill. A. Smith and a Colin Coward because they're incredible at what they do. But yep. they're paid to. They're succeeding at yep. the game that you're allowing yep. them. To <laughs> they're play. pushing your buttons. How how can we make you angry today? How can yep. I mean? And and we fall for it as fans. Yep. And and as you're seeing, especially with Tua this season. That's their game. Wow, uh-huh. it just in Miami about are really yep. <laughs> they're nuts. <laughs> they they really are going to tune in. What can we say negative about this guy? And we fought yep. for this thing. Yep. It, it is insane. It's constant. It really is. It's a formula. It's really wild. It's it's it, yeah. It's like um, like I feel like if Twitter was around and social media and these shows were around in '85, they would be like, oh Dan Marino, what a bum, <laughs> what a bum. <laughs> right, he nah, I can't win all, anything. He doesn't hand it off enough. He dismisses his running backs enough. It's his, he doesn't let his defense have a breath. He's throwing too many touchdown passes. But you're so right about the localized coverage, right? And that, like, it matters more what the folks who are around the team all of the time course. are saying. They're the ones who are actually paying attention to these games in an in-depth way. Um, and, Craig, you do that for the Marlins. That is I try. just one of many hats that you wear. Um, before you do go here, let the people know where they can follow you and find all of your work. Um, which is, I know, a lot. Yeah, well, 
right now it's very, very localized. And and as I've gotten older, by the way, I'm going to be 50 years hey, hey. old in 2023. I'm going to be 50 years old. I cannot believe I'm going to say that. I feel like the old, the oldest man, but I, I, I still chase gigs. I'm not going to get it twisted. I still chase gigs, but clearly not nearly as much. I've centralized a lot of my stuff, growing family, you know, growing kids, growing up, they need me. My wife needs me. I want to be there for them. To me, that is the the biggest honor that I have in life is being a father and a husband. No question. It's above everything else that I do. So that being said, uh, Sports Grid has been fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on board with them 100%. 11 a.m. Eastern, I, I host a fantasy show every day with Davis Maddock, who's a really funny and smart fantasy guy. We do fantasy football mostly this time of the year. Then I take a break. I usually get a bite to eat. Try to get 10 minutes of, of shut-eye in if I can to get revved up for my next show, which is Newswire. That show is at 2 o'clock Eastern. And all of this is, by the way, for free, available on any streaming device. If you have a Vizio TV or a Samsung TV, the, the channel is free on there. And it's also free at sportsgrid.com. And I'm, I'm looking forward to another successful year with them. And also on the side, SportsGrid even though I took the job full time with them, I'm fortunate enough to still be able to do my columns with the Miami Herald. Usually it's myself and Barry Jackson writing about the Marlins one or two times a month. And then obviously you and I for many years did the podcast Swings and Mishes. Who knows? Yes. Maybe we'll make a reunion tour of some kind with that. But for the time being, it's a very limited uh, podcast. But uh, congratulations well, what would the, to you. Uh... Well, thank you. What would the greatest hits be if we were if we were doing a reunion tour playing the greatest hits? It's JT Romuto trade. It's yeah. It's it's Sixto Sanchez rehab. It's, it's, it's really not a lot. Man. There's not a lot of this. Hey, there's the, there is the 2020 playoff run, and we'll always have that. Yeah, we'll always yeah, have that. It was fun in the moment, and I will not I will not look back any differently on it, regardless of what's happened since. That was a yeah yeah. A, I, a I will moment. I will say that that in in terms of of myself, like. I'm very fortunate to 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 you know be friends with you and you joining me for that run that we had on the podcast. Obviously, I could not have done you know that with you, but you know as we kind of close it out, you know Sandy Alcantara won the Cy Young Award, as everybody knows, and you know sometimes when I'm salty or like oh this stinks and like oh like they've you know lost some games the last five years they haven't won enough, and then you get an invitation to go to his party at his house I mean, come to on, win the man. Cy Young. And then and then you sort of think to yourself, yeah, some of this it's stuff probably was worth was yep. worth doing <laughs> because because here I am in a spot that I have covered it all and done it all, but that thing but I had never cool. done before, you know? And that's then you amazing. walk in and you're like, oh, this is a good this is this <laughs> this sort of made it worth it. So I gotta be fortunate for the good things. That's there's yes. no doubt. Absolutely. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining me here for this uh, mini Swings and Mishes reunion. Always a pleasure to get to chat with you both on and off the air. Uh, thank you. And everybody go follow him at Craig Mish. He will bring you all of your Marlins news as it continues to unfold here during the winter and into the spring. And once again, thank you all for listening to this episode of Miami Miked Up. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.